Hi, this is just a small disclaimer that this episode was recorded before the lockdown measures were introduced in the UK. We hope you enjoyed the episode and you're all staying safe. Hi, Morgan. Good afternoon. Are you having a sustainable day? Yeah, well, maybe not. <sighs> that depends yeah. on what we're well, considering. Well, well, let's just, let's compare our behaviour. This could be a fun game to start okay. with. Okay. Let's compare our days just today. who was the most sustainable okay. thus far. I walked to campus. Good job. Okay. T- and then I there. refilled okay. my reusable water bottle. Okay. Tick again. And well, then I went to Subway, which I feel like is where I failed. Well, what did you get out of Subway? I got chicken and cheese. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, so that's a, that's a negative. That's a negative. Yeah, but I didn't get any sauces or anything. I, that doesn't matter. As if the sauce but, would make no, a but they have <laughs> sometimes they have the like you know like animal products in them, like egg anyway. and milk. Like mayonnaise is big time egg. Yeah. Okay. And then what? Um. Yeah. Well, that that's it. Then I came here. But then you printed off something. I printed off our studio notes. But if I didn't do it, Morgan would have to do it. But I did print it double sided. Yeah. True. Yeah. Okay. So I feel so, like that helps. You know, kind of a, t- um, a tick and the uh, one. Yeah. No. I feel like a lot of the things that I do that are sustainable, like walking everywhere and using reusable water bottles, are also just a product of my economics situation as a student. Mm. But I feel kind of iffy about it. How are you, Morgan? How how's your sustainability going? It's pretty well. Well, I'm the exact same. Yeah. I just do things that don't require me to make any kind of sacrifice. Yeah, so like, like low effort sustainability. I wouldn't say low effort because I think about it, you know. But yeah. like, I do things like taking. Uh, actually, and to in fairness, I just drink coffee at home, so I wouldn't. I, I don't even <laughs> use coffee cups. I just do stuff like take a Chili's bottle. And, and we use the same bag when we go get groceries. Yeah, and taking bags to the to yeah. the supermarket. Yeah, but we also fly. I don't fly. You fly, Morgan. You're going to New Orleans. You have to fly. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought this up um, because when I go home mm-hmm. for the holidays, yeah. I have a very sustainable mode of transport, which is the train. Yeah, but I, I do live across the sea, so it's quite yeah, difficult but, for me. Know. Did you think about your sustainable, your carbon footprint when you decided to go to university abroad? I truly did not. No, I don't no. think a lot of people think about that when they decide where to go to uni. Honestly, no, no. Like I the mean, bigger decisions in life you make, regardless, it's more, at least to me, smaller steps. But I think maybe some of the guests today are different, where they actually consider the larger yeah. steps to the same extent as they do. I consider us pretty cooks. like, I consider us pretty like pedestrian, you know eco-conscious people yeah it doesn't really go beyond the sort of i don't know i don't want to say superficial but the surface level yeah exactly basics like i try not to you know it's pretty easy not to just i don't know take your plastic thing and just throw it in the regular bin it's very it's like exactly as easy to put it in the recycling bin well you have to clean it that's true yeah so yeah that's a good point i'll also say people don't know that yeah and Knowledge is often quite a big problem. People don't realize. But we, I will say we could also be way worse because I don't think either of us are like huge AF like consumers no. of just yeah. random stuff that we never use. No, I, yeah, I agree. Like, we, we, we both look fairly minimalist compared to a lot of our peers, I think. Yeah. Neither of us buy superfluous shit. Yeah, exactly. And neither of us have a car. Yeah, but that's also, again, yeah, that's because well, I'm a student. <laughs> yeah, I know, but well, Probably, some students yeah. have cars. Yeah, I think a, being a student kind of forces you to be quite nice, like a bit nicer to the environment. Like, we don't use a lot of heating yeah. because we can't afford it. That's another one. But boom, if you, say, had bills included, yeah, you would just I'd heat, use you would, way more heating. You would heat the flat all the time, even when you didn't yeah. need to. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so We I need don't. economic incentives. That's what we've learned, I guess. 
Yeah, if, if yeah. you make an economic incentive, you'll get, I think, the majority of the student population to do whatever it is that you want them to yeah. do. But I think it, it's a different, it's a different question when you're asking people to make like a sacrifice or a lifestyle change. Exactly. I, I don't, don't think yeah. I'm, anything I do is a lifestyle change as opposed yeah. to say, I don't know, like you could go to a different place. Um, what are they called? Refill sh- shops? Yeah, refill shops. We have one on campus, actually. Our campus does quite a few things. Wait, it's on campus? Have... Yeah, there's one on campus. <laughs> well, anyways, I, think from I this... can go on a journey with, uh, with the listeners and learn yeah. something, new things, because I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think we have like a good baseline amount of knowledge for this episode. Like neither of us are hugely involved in the sustainable, like societies on campus or or anything like we do mun where we make people aware of climate change but that's kind of it yeah we're both aware of it yeah so we have like a baseline and then our guest will probably bring us up so today we're talking to three people who are arguably more involved in sustainability than we are uh first we're talking to Alessa, then marina and then sophia so that should be quite informative i'm excited to hear what they have to say me too hello people Hi, Lesser. This is Lesser. <laughs> I am the new co-host for 20 minutes. To be fair, they all know you as the guy who make our music. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, who are you, Lesser? Um, I'm Lesser. Uh, I'm a student here at the University of Aberdeen. I do microbiology and just a bit of everything. Any yeah. any specific hobbies? Um, I like growing mushrooms. Is it like, true that your, name, your nickname is the Mushroom Guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't grow the weird ones, don't worry. Uh, I grow much mostly on waste materials like coffee grounds, sawdust, yeah. different different things I can find. Just like in your flat? Yeah, I yeah. just ask people around if they have any stuff. I'm just sharing it with people who want to have a bucket and grow their own mushrooms. Wow! So you put compost material in a in a bucket and then it grows mushrooms from them. Pretty much, yeah. I'm assuming you, you put something in there to grow the mushrooms. You put in uh, mycelium, so like the the roots of the mushroom, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it would just take over. It's like a good kind of mold that grows in your living room. So I'm assuming. This is relevant because we talk about sustainability. So how does mushrooms help specifically? In so many ways. They can, they're basically the decomposers of nature. So yeah. they take all the waste materials. And we have so many waste materials in this world. Like we're piling up in everything. So much plastic and so many pollutants and toxic materials. Um, so they're able to break down some of these molecules, take all the stuff that we have, like coffee grounds, sawdust, and turn it into something else. And afterwards, you can feed it to animals you can eat it yourself you can make protein powder and then you can keep on going it's nice. uh, it's a part of a circular economy concept mindset or just keep thinking how you can use your waste from one industry and put it into a different sector so that's an alternative to just say getting a compost bin and then throwing it out yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly because it's such, it such a long loop you yeah. know so then someone has to come pick it up using fossil fuels with a huge truck send it to someone else and it's going to be put on and on and on until it gets somewhere i don't even know where it goes if you just put it into your mushroom bucket it's there mm-hmm. and you get the full use out of it cool what else do you do you're quite involved in the sustainability community on campus if you can say that right um yeah, yeah i have been um what have i been doing i've been doing fossil free yeah uh, last year which is pretty good um and what do they do it's just um kind of an activist group it's uh, people on planet who run these these campaigns let me think they have four campaigns and then one of them fossil free basically where the university is going to we want them to divest from investing in fossil fuels it's after this and it's been going pretty well like they they took down fracking and tar sand from their investments mm-hmm. from this year i think nice so slowly we're getting there and then it just keeps on going and going and going 
and so many universities around. I think it's half the universities in the UK have divested from fossil fuels now. Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't even know, honestly. Yeah, I knew yeah. that there was, com- there was some pressure for that, but I didn't know how much progress they'd made. Yeah, yeah and cool. we're in the oil capital of Europe. You know, so True, yeah. It is, like, it, this is the place to fight, basically. Yeah. And you also dumpster dive, is that correct? I do, yeah. So what does that, like, entail exactly? Uh, basically... Diving into a dumpster, I assume. No, no, I yeah. get that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, not just any old, like, rummaging through any old bin, I'm assuming, yeah. like... Probably, you know, uh, your lovely Sainsbury's Morgan. Yeah, around the back of Sainsbury's, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's basically like out of hour shopping, I call it, because, I mean, you have all the the stuff that they usually are in, in the shop. Yeah. And they just throw it out just after the best, like, best buy yeah. date. And it's still really good. I mean, there's so many conservatives and stuff. Some of it, you can last for another week. Yeah. Um, some of it's super fresh, like green bananas. I don't know why they throw them out. I think they just have an excess and they just need to get out. All the bakery stuff, they only have it on for one day and then the yeah. rest of the time they just have to throw it out. Yeah. So there's so much fresh stuff and they pack everything in so much plastic anyway, so it's pretty clean. No, I've never thought about that, but I know that there's that there's that app that you can get. Stuff Too good to go. Yeah. Oh yeah. <coughs> Danish it's the same kind of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're great. It's Danish. It is. Mm-hmm. That's oh, why well I advertise done, it. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Do you think like being sustainable is sort of fashionable now? Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I think that's a good thing though, because my personal feeling is if you're if you're a business, you can do sustainable things and then and profit off of yeah, it. Yeah. Like too good to go. I think if, if those people were just wanting to get cheaper food, it might not take off as much as if they were thinking, oh, also this is about reducing waste. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Like I think companies with more of a, a social responsibility, mm. they, they just do better on the long scale, long-term scale as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think most people factor in the ethical responsibilities of a company when they buy stuff. Hopefully. And it's just like, it just makes sense. Like, I think it's Morrison's who put on the wonky like, yeah, fruits yeah. and berries and stuff. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. So yeah, people get more like more into it. And if it's more available, then people will buy it as well. What do you think uh, our university could do to help the cause that they aren't already doing? Mm, that's a difficult one. I saw a project that was back home, back home in Denmark. Yeah. Uh, it's basically because it's a social, social democracy and high taxes. And basically, <laughs> public sector kind of wants to fund green projects that are doing something in the private sector. So basically, there's a bunch of links between these things. There's one project they had a huge issue with waste management in one council in Denmark. And basically, they didn't know what to do because they're just looking at it in like the big picture. Like, what can we do with all this stuff? Um, so basically, they got some funding to help out kickstart different other companies. So I think they had for five years, they, they could rent this place for free. Mm. and take all the waste materials they could and basically they develop five different businesses that all make their their money now in a sustainable way and they get rid of all the waste all the waste that they have hmm. so in that way i okay. think the university could be part of this kind of movement and and funding more green projects i think it's getting there like with all the the sabbatical officers working working hard against all the people on the top um <laughs> yeah we're slowly getting there it just yeah. takes some time and yeah. constant pressure yeah. How much can activists do, though? I mean, do you think that, to a certain extent, it needs to be in the realm of the public sector, the government? Uh, I think it needs to be. Basically, I mean, there's some small things we can do, but they don't have an impact on the, the grand scale. Yeah. So I think definitely, like, you can see it in France with all the uh, stuff that's been going on. Like, the French government has banned food waste for supermarkets, so they get huge fines if they throw out food. So mm-hmm. it needs to donate it to food banks. All these kinds of... Um, initiatives and rules they they really help make stuff happen yeah. on a really big scale 
Because I think as just as an individual, you know, like I do what I can and I try and reduce waste as much as possible in my own life. But ultimately, you need you need the weight of like a, a government institution if you're going to have these going to actually tackle the really, really big problems. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. On, that, on that note, what advice would you have for people who are just like getting started, maybe considering some how their daily actions could be more sustainable? Mm. Like any recommendations? Grow mushrooms on your coffee grounds. Amazing. That's a really good one. What if I use instant coffee? Yeah, then you're screwed. <laughs> you're screwed. Uh, but then you can use the containers for something. You can fill them up. You can yeah. use those. Yeah, but it's still like so many small things. But they add up. If you had a discussion with someone in a bus at some point, we had a really, really good discussion. <laughs> she was always about how you can teach other people to be more sustainable rather than you doing so much more effort. Just try and teach it to people. Share the knowledge about how to make a really nice vegan risotto of made of barley that's yeah. just out from Aberdeenshire or something like this. Yeah, I think that's that's the best is sharing knowledge ideas do you feel like people who are trying to be sort of environmentally active they feel like a pressure to be almost like the perfectly sustainable person i think i think some of them are especially the ones on social media uh yeah (laughs) that's that's the worst yeah Yeah. they're like yeah they take nice pictures of their vegan food that they took out in the forest and they've been running a marathon before that and you know so i think showing the we don't need to be perfect at all but if millions of people do it imperfectly just like reduce yeah. reduce meat consumption reduce stuff it is it's going to have an, a huge impact yeah because i'm not vegan vegan or vegetarian but i have been eating less meat you know yeah which i suppose in the eyes of your social media person they might say oh well you know not not quite good enough i guess mm, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just need like one guy who's just super imperfect, or like a person, just super imperfect, mm. vegan, or some of this, and just always <laughs> failing. <laughs> and then you can you can emphasize, and then it's going to be mm. better. Nice. Do you feel optimistic that you know the 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 movement to be more sustainable is making sort of ground in Britain? I think it is. I think it is. Um, I've been to the Extinction Rebellion occupations in London, mm. and basically like all the. Um, they have an extra youth group and all oh, these kids are so mad they're so angry <laughs> they're so mad at the government they're mad at the, yeah. the people who are in charge um, I think there's so many young people who are conscious at the moment so if they like when they get into their 30s 40s it's gonna be amazing yeah. <laughs> I think we're gonna take over yeah I will say like even people who are like five years younger than us are so much more engaged in it than most like the average person our age so mm. there's some hope yeah, there's a lot of things I don't know yeah yeah, but it's good, and then they can inspire us to do something, and they keep yeah. inspiring their their parents as well. Like, exactly. it's amazing. Yeah, like taking a train on vacation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's quite nice. Yeah, so we should listen to the youth. Listen to the kids. <laughs> That's a good message. Yeah. Like listen that. to the kids. Really? Nice. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Leslie. Thank you Cheers. so much. Yeah. Thank you. Friend of the show, Lasso. There. Yes. In, so calm. In, so involved. You know, and I think we were right when we said that we were going to learn about things that we didn't know about. Oh, definitely. That was clear from the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> Growing mushrooms yeah. out of our compost. We have to start composting first. Yeah. Yeah. More compost. You know. We've, we've been talking about it for a long time, and we haven't started doing it no, yet. It's true. Yeah, I know. Vicky's judging us right now. <laughs> we will start doing it after this episode. Our roommate really wants to, and she's responsible for it, so she's going to set it all up. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's going to be good. You know. It's because Morgan has composting nightmares from second year, first year. First year. Because well, we no one took compost. out the bin. We, took a, we had the compost <laughs> and then no one took it out and it, it started to smell really, really bad. So when we moved in in third year, he was like, Catherine, Let's just I'm vetoing the composting. No, I just said, you know what? No. That's one little part of the uh, sustainability lifestyle that we can just ignore for now. But now we're not ignoring it anymore. Welcome, Marina. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, My name is Marina, a neuroscience student. I'm in my final year. I'm from Italy originally. Brilliant. So how are you involved in sustainability on campus, if you are at all? On campus, not as much. Yeah. Like I've seen and supported a lot the uh, fossil free campaign yeah. to encourage the University of Aberdeen to divest from fossil fuels. Yeah. Um, I've been more involved in Extinction Rebellion okay. uh, here in Aberdeen. And also last year I was doing a placement in Cambridge and I was also involved with Extinction Rebellion down there. Um, so that's been my main focus. And what do you think about the state of sort of activism in Britain right now? now i think it's doing better than in a lot of other countries especially groups such as the school strike movement and extinction rebellion i think in the last two years they have seen an unprecedented participation that we never had before when it comes to climate change this has definitely helped to bring the topic into the public discourse because before that it was pretty much like nobody was talking about it main newspapers weren't addressing it at all Mm -hmm. so i think we're really seeing an unprecedented level of activism and engagement but that doesn't mean it's enough like the fact that there hasn't (laughs) been enough before doesn't mean that a little bit is enough to take us where we need to get to if that makes sense yeah Yeah. so you think of the purpose of these groups as to bringing the topic on the minds of people and politicians yeah that's yeah, the main focus. Both, yeah. and also to push really for societal change because I think you know like so individual action too individual actions too but I think individual actions are very important like we were talking earlier on about veganism yeah. uh, and I think it's great like I've, I've been vegetarian for six years and I'm trying to eat more and more vegan and I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to do so because diet is like one of the single most important individual yeah. changes that you can do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you like look at the global picture, like the global emissions that we as a society produce, uh, agricultural and land use is only a small portion because energy production if we include transport accounts for about 70% of our global emissions and there's very little that you as an individual can do for that so I think this is when activism comes in uh, to kind of like bridge that gap and do what you as an individual cannot Uh, do so individuals pushing for a larger change yes because you can't go vegan but you can't really but on your own, you know, but yeah. you can't really change the way society produces energy on your yeah. own. Yeah. That's a regulatory issue. That's yeah. the government level. Yeah, but, I mean, exactly. do you think that you, you you seem quite pleased with how you know the activism is going in Britain? Do you see that manifesting in the messages you hear from politicians? Not, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, I think there has been some change. So, for example, 
uh, one of the first demands of Extinction Rebellion is to declare a climate emergency. Mm-hmm. And after the first big rebellion that there was in April, last April in London, uh, Parliament has declared yeah. uh, a climate emergency. And I think this is um, it's a milestone, you know, like it's something that had never been done before. And this has pushed for a positive feedback loop of many other local councils declaring a climate emergency and it's something that I would have on on the one hand I would have never expected it to see it happening that fast at the same time we can discuss on what that actually means you know like is it just words or are we actually going to see some facts from this Hmm. the fact that it has happened is telling me that the way activism climate activism is operating is working and is pushing are we pushing far and fast enough that probably not and this is why i think it needs more engagement (laughs) and you're seeing a lot of engagement from young people in this movement correct yeah Yeah. i see a lot of engagement from young people but in extinction rebellion as opposed as what i've seen in the climate strike movement i've I've also seen people from all sorts of different ages which is very very I don't know, it's very refreshing to see that it's not just an issue that young, only young people care yeah. about. Do you think a lot young, of grandparents yeah. as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Do you think young people are educated enough about it? It's hard to tell because there's probably like a huge divide between a group of young people who is extremely educated about it, like people who take part in the climate strike movement yeah, and very any, engaged sort of, people. You know, any sort of um, activism or climate change movement. And then you find other groups of people, other parts of society where young people have absolutely no clue about it or are uninterested or even dismissive. So I think in that way, it's hard to tell. Like you can't really take an average because even if you did, it wouldn't tell you much because you've got such a big difference. Do you think it's more from personal engagement that they're being educated, not actually from the school systems? Mm, Yes, I think the school system is not doing enough uh, to get people engaged. So I think right now it probably depends a lot on personal factors like you know your your social circle or your Family. even your political orientation because yeah. unfortunately it's an issue that it's usually politicized even if it yeah. shouldn't be definitely so that probably influences a lot uh, whether people are engaged in it or not i think yeah do you think people are clear on what it is that activists such as extinction rebellion actually want because there are m- sort of multiple climate change movements that often happen they don't always ask for exactly the same thing yes i think extinction rebellion is trying to you know it's doing a good job at making that clear it's got three demands so the first one is to declare a climate emergency the second one is to get to to get carbon neutral by 2020 and no sorry 2025 2020 but yeah 2025 and the third one is to establish a citizens assembly so a sort of um participative democracy structure so that ordinary people can help shape the way in which we get to carbon neutrality and like the demands are there they're being um repeated all the time and you know they're really trying to make them clear some people still wonder what what do these activist group want and I think it's mainly because they're not educated enough on the issue of climate change or and they don't see the need for this kind of political uh, groups. Do you feel it like an obligation as someone who's inside this movement and sort of presumably helping to shape the direction it goes in? Do you feel an obligation to, you know, sort of 
consider the kind of political pragmatism of your demands. I mean, so the UK government, if I understand it correctly, has adopted a 2050 policy, which mm-hmm. is obviously, you know, 20 years yep. later than what you would want. But 25. Oh, sorry, 2025. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. So, yeah, because I remember at the last Brit- election in Britain, there was, you know, every party had a carbon neutral yes. policy. date. Yeah. They all had the same policy. The date differed. I mean, do you see that? It, it, you know, do you think, well, it's an imperfect solution, but at least it's there? The 2050 target, you mean? Yeah. Or I think it was the Liberal Democrats wanted 2030, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And as a voter, you're kind of thinking, well, you know, if you're having 150, 200 years of industrialization, you know, it's hard, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, someone yeah. who isn't, you know, I'm engaged. Well, not in, not not engaged, but as a layman, someone who doesn't understand necessarily the, like the, all of the scientific nuance, what difference ten or five years makes. Yeah, I think so. Like there. Are- two different things to be discussed here Mm. one is how realistic it is to have you know such an ambitious carbon neutrality goal in political terms i think that's yeah that's a big thing it's very very ambitious and it might not be entirely realistic with the political system that we have now especially also with the level with the low level of engagement and activism that we have now, I think if we want to get there, we need to push a lot more. And then what difference does it make? Like, what difference do these 25 years make? Um, I'm not a climate scientist, but from um, the little bit that I know is that we basically have now about 10 years to make things right, mainly because if we don't, uh, we run the risk of triggering what are known as tipping points. And these are essentially positive feedback loops that are... Or negative feedback loops. Kind of positive positive because they reinforce themselves, but negative because they have a negative impact (laughs) on our society. Um, But basically... So, for example, like an example that really helps understand what these things are like is uh, the methane trapped in the ice. So, we're by increasing temperatures as we are, we're causing more and more Arctic ice to melt. And in the lower layer of the Arctic ice, there is a lot of methane trapped. And as you might know, methane is like a very potent greenhouse gas, 84 times more powerful than CO2. So, if the temperature increases enough for um, the ice to melt to that level and to release that methane, it means that you're pumping huge amounts of CO- of uh, greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, which will cause a further increase in temperature, yeah, yeah. which, will, like a which will cause more thing. ice to melt and then more yeah, methane to be released. And at that point, it doesn't really matter if the whole of society goes carbon neutral overnight because yeah. you've already triggered a natural cycle that's increasing the levels of greenhouse gases for you and you can't really stop it. Mm. So I think this is like the big, big thing that we need to keep in mind when we talk about carbon neutrality goals. You know, wow. wh- when is the point of no return, yeah. essentially? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's just, a, it's a big topic. It's really interesting. We just, even like we had um, the National Kids Musical Competition over the weekend back home in Denmark. And it was like a song about the climate that won. Like it's like, oh, it's, it's just on top of everyone's minds and especially kids and they're getting anxious. And it's really like, it's just a, a big topic. Yeah. To- 
talk about, which is interesting. Because it's often seen as like a lighter topic, sustainability and all that kind of stuff, you know. It's like, oh, use a reusable cup and then... Yeah, do you think... It's a good point, actually. I wonder if you think that that kind of... I don't know, advice or rhetoric about just do what you can in your everyday life, that that has the capacity to sort of nullify the 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 necessity of, you know, a government to act or an international community to act. Yes, I think, like, we are made to believe that our individual actions matter more than they actually do. Mm. And by saying this, I'm not... I'm not saying people shouldn't go vegan or, you know, shouldn't recycle or, or yes. switch yeah. off their light bulbs or whatever. Yeah. I think all those things are really important because we live in a supply-demand sort of economy, so they do have an impact. Yeah. But I also think that sometimes, you know, somebody might, might, might think that they're already doing their part by doing these things, while and in then, reality, yeah. in the grand yeah. scheme of things, it's relatively little, and it would be so much of a bigger impact if they engage in some sort of um, political Mm. action. Do you feel optimistic for the future? I have good days and bad days. (laughs) In general, not particularly. So I'm trying to like do as much as possible so that, you know, even if we get to the point of climate collapse, I will know I'll have done everything i could people are not engaged enough and unless something changes in an unprecedented way in the next few years we're not going to get there so we really have to do a lot of work like i will be hopeful if i start seeing a huge amount of people getting engaged which has been happening but we definitely need more than this but thank you thank you so much marina thank you so much thank you so much to you That was Marina. Mm. Personally, I like the the end bit where you asked her um, if she wakes up every day and she's sad about the climate. Well, I didn't ask her that. I said, no, no, are, no, you, no, I said are you optimistic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's really interesting because I haven't heard this debate a lot in the UK about climate anxiety, but it's a big debate with the youth at home, at least. Uh, what is that? It's um, where young people literally get anxiety about the future of the planet and their future. And they actually, like, there'll be kids, like, crying about it and they're, yeah. the parents don't know how to tackle it and the psycho- psychiatrists don't know how to actually talk to the kids about it because they don't understand the fear because they haven't grown up with it in the same way they have. And I think that's a really interesting aspect of this climate situation, that, like, the, the mental health implications for I think that the phenomena... It does concern me because I think if you're going to have a movement, it needs to be channeled with positive energy. Um, you know, and I think I, I'm very like politically pragmatic. I consider yeah. myself a realist, right? Yeah. And I think you have this problem where you can read a news story that outlines what you just said, and if you're someone who's sort of on the fence, someone who is not completely wedded to the climate change movement but mm-hmm. could be persuaded things like that are not in my opinion particularly productive you know what i mean yeah yeah i see i see exactly what you mean but clearly activism does make a difference and i understand this i understand the the, the concern that governments are not going to go far enough and if you're an activist your job is to always say that the government is not going far enough yeah but it, you do also have to take the victories where they come i think um, Except the steps that are being taken. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Sophia. Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself to the, the people? 
I, I'm a fourth year yeah. here at the university. I study film and English. Yeah. Um, and I'm graduating in June. Not exactly what's going to happen next. Nice. Um, I'm part of the filmmaking society, and I think that has been the most characteristic, I think, aspect of my university experience. Um, I do want to work in the film industry in the future. I'm not exactly sure yet. Yeah. Which side exactly? I've heard you have a little climate film project going on. Yes. Yes. So we just finished shooting. It is a film set in a post-apocalyptic world, and we imagine what would happen if humanity uh, people would, would not be able to face the climate emergency it, it touches a little bit upon climate change meaning it, that it, the aftermath of uh, a climate disaster is the setting but i wouldn't say that the story is again it plays more as a background okay mm, yeah. yeah so it's it's something that you're thinking about a lot Hence, why you decided to put it? In yeah, the film. very yeah. much so. Uh, I would say it was something I, th- I, I thought about uh, much before. Um, well, I would say much before the like past few years where climate change has been uh, yeah. talked about more, um, but also way before this film, because um, I don't know. To me, it's always been like an issue, you know that the glaciers are melting and you know water rising temperature rising like um it has never been something new which i find very surprising that now people uh have the guts to be like yeah i yeah, know that's not true it's not happening you know it's all in oaks and blah blah, blah. <laughs> and like well <laughs> um i remember people talking about it when i was in elementary school um, yeah so, yeah yeah so what kind of sustainable sort of activities do you get up to so i would say um the aspect of my life where i try to put the most effort are definitely food consumption uh and fashion i'm a big 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 uh advocate for sustainable fashion just because i I like clothes so much um and i think that to produce and consume clothing in a more sustainable way in a more ethical way i think overall um I, I just find the the whole thing very fascinating, and um, I, I think that to more, more sustainable clothing production uh, touches upon also, um, as I said, an overall like ethical production of clothing because it means that um, rights of laborers are respected more, and um, you know the way um, packaging is a big thing that I don't understand why people need so much packaging. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say clothing and well food productions. I try to be vegan, not always with the best <laughs> results. Um, but also when you go to the supermarket, like try to buy maybe I don't know tomatoes um, that are not in plastic bags. And yeah, you're the perfect imperfect vegan that Lessa was mentioning earlier in our interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. We're talking to a guy who said we just need people out there showing that you don't have to be perfect so that it's more I, achievable. I'm, exactly. Like yeah. I, I think I saw an image on Facebook. Um, that was saying we don't need like one person being perf- perfectly sustainable, but we need a lot of per- people uh, just trying to. And I also think that it's just a mindset, you know, like um, something that in everyday life you think about. So whenever you have to make a choice, then that's also a criteria you make your yeah. choices with. Um, and I think that's where it lies being sustainable. It's not really like living in a tiny hut in the middle of the mountain where you just like produce <laughs> what you consume. I mean, if you're able to do that, that's amazing. But obviously, it's yeah. not for everyone yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's also a little bit more expensive I'm not gonna lie yeah it's almost privileged to be able to take part in Absolutely. ethical consumption mm. at times so how do you shop sustainably and ethically as a student too yeah, yeah. particularly with fashion 
Oh, particularly. So I have a few brands okay. that I like, and um, is the brand that I'm wearing? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they can't see you, but we can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's called Lucian York, and I, well, oh yeah, I know it, it is a very specific style. So again, I understand yeah. that it's not for everyone, um, but I like it very much. And they um, they have a partnership with uh, a factory in India, where they so they do produce their clothing in India, but they do it in a way where they try to. Um, from textile um, to the way they collaborate with the people who are actually making the clothes, yeah. um, th- uh, they, they very much put a face onto the people who are physically sewing and cutting and stuff, um, which I think is really nice. And uh, it's very easy, I think, to forget the person behind whatever you're consuming, yeah. um, which I... Again, I find really nice. Plus, I really like their yeah. clothing, uh, and they're really comfy. It's not always just easy; it's like necessary to forget sometimes. If you exactly, yeah. Honestly, if you don't want to be anxious about your consumption, Th- that's yeah. the other thing. I feel like um, I would say it's not easy um, because it's much easier to just. Uh, do you say close a blind eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like having blinders on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like the horses. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Because, you know, it's also not nice to think, okay, well, I really want, you know, this T-shirt or I'm using the T-shirt, but it could could be whatever. And then you read Made in China or Made in Bangladesh and you're like, shit. My mom is really annoyed at me (laughs) because whenever we go shopping... uh, uh, or do you point out where her clothes are made and how they're made then? I don't buy them. Yeah, I, I've yeah, been yeah, needing yeah. a jacket for a very long time. And uh, <laughs> these uh, winter holidays, we finally found one. Yeah. Um, and then I went to read what it was made of. And I was like, yeah, no, mama can't because it's stuck feathers and stuff. Yeah. And she was like, oh. So <laughs> I, I, Again, <laughs> Sophia. Yeah. yeah. The kids, um, the youth. Exactly. <laughs> Millennials. Oh. To be fair, my dad is the exact same way. I recently... Convinced him that climate change is happening, like within the last yeah. year. So yeah, but even without climate change, the year like m- my mom, she's very again. She likes clothes very much. She loves shopping. Yeah, uh, and I don't think she has very much the. I don't know, motivation like she doesn't have that kind of yeah, the motivation or maybe this just doesn't get her too much. But now it's starting to. I think Jane Fonda uh, reused the same dress. Oh yeah, Jane Fonda, yeah. At the yeah. Oscars that she did a few years ago. Uh, so she texts and she's like, Oh look, Jane Fonda is like you. I'm like, Well <laughs> What if Jane Fonda does it? And I know she me. wore the same thing twice and now she's like sustainability queen. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about like shopping at charity shops, things like that, getting stuff secondhand? Would that for you fall under the kind of the ethical consumption category? Absolutely. Even if maybe the first time around, you know. No, absolutely. Like I'm a huge fan of vintage clothing. clothing. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think I wear a lot of them, um, but it it is definitely a kind of like aesthetic that I look up to. Um, Mm. And charity shops are not a big thing in Italy. uh, And I've always looked for like secondhand stuff but it's mostly like vintage which tends to be yeah. more expensive than yeah. you know because charity shop is literally someone's trash that became yeah somebody yeah. else has come up yeah. to quote Macklemore um, <laughs> but um, but I love charity shopping back in the days it is definitely again it is not easy but I think it's also part of the fun of it you don't have to go to charity shopping looking for that one thing it's like treasure hunting exactly yeah. it's more like you, you take the day or you take the morning and you're just like go in every charity shop and you find things and I've found like really nice stuff I have a pair of trousers that I think it's the trousers that I use the most and I've bought them literally by chance one day I was walking down the street just saw them in the uh, window pane I was like yeah "Yeah, that's me 
Nice. Amazing. Really cool. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I'm fashionable enough for that. I, I <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you can then take the steps to buy sustainably. Yeah, of course. Like Absolutely. Lucy and Yak don't make boys' clothes, do they? Men's clothes? Oh, they do, they do. They do. They do very much. So, oh. uh, they make um, everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything is male and female, but I think most of it is actually unisex. Oh, yeah, it's just unisex. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I also have an app that's called Good on You, um, where you type in the brand and it tells you. Uh, gives an ethical rating Um, they have like five criteria I think it's like animal cruelty labor's worker blah blah environment I'm not sure how good it is though I have to be honest because um I've used it a little bit, but I haven't found it extremely useful. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, uh, I, yeah, I don't have a, a like particularly good information about, but I just about the eth- ethical nature of X, Y, or Z brand. But I, I just make the assumption that if it's on the high street, if it's, a, it's like a conventional high street brand, that it, it, to some, one extent or another, it's probably made under pretty poor conditions. I think that's a good assumption, yeah. honestly. Which is kind of disheartening yeah. as someone you know, like the way the way you buy clothes is a bit maybe unconventional, and like your your everyday person on the street might not be able to adopt that behavior but if you think every you just make the assumption that every single brand is you know not treating their workers correctly then it becomes quite demoralizing i think and then you think why bother no but exactly like i mean i don't want to always go there but it is very expensive Mm. um and sometimes you know you find like stupid things like white t-shirts are very difficult to come across a really good plain white t-shirt um and you can go to like h&m or zara or you know all these brands and it's filled with white t-shirt and they're like five pounds six pounds um and then you cannot buy them because and it's like it's a white t-shirt like how difficult it is to make a white t-shirt in a way that yeah Yeah, and then it might say like oh sustainable cotton but then the rest of it is still I find that so annoying because then there's always like a a trick that's like yeah it's not really sustainable yeah it's just one aspect of the entire circle do you wish the government would help you out very much so yeah Yeah. I, I do think that because the thing is although I think as individual consumers we have a massive responsibility um, because in all honesty the market has to listen the consumers yeah. I feel like a, a big problem with our generation is that we feel like we don't really have a voice A because there are so many voices with social media and you know mass communication then um, it just became all way too loud um, but also at the same time I don't feel I think our, our parents and grandparents so voting is more of a way to like tell their opinion but I feel like we don't really have that the one thing that we have though it is uh, pressure mm. uh, and like um, the market has to listen to consumers because if you do not buy the product it, it's very basic I mean I don't study economics but the business goes yeah, away yeah, I, yeah. I, don't re- I don't really I don't think I really yeah. need that to be able to if you don't buy the product they are going to change it because they have to figure out a way to make it appealing to the market mm. so um, if people sabotage and boycott all this aspect and all these things um something needs to change um but then at the same time sorry i I took a big detour um so that is why we as individuals have a massive responsibility but then at the same time me buying sustainable clothes you 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 know like a thousand people doing that it is going to make the difference that it is going to make but if um a government says okay we're not gonna uh, we're gonna have higher taxes on 
um, product imported or produced in a certain way, yeah. um, that is a really, really, really big difference. Even just in terms of what kind of image it gives, yeah. the, that issue, that brand, that aspect. Because again, it is also all about image. And yeah. I think, you know, as, um, as negative as that can sound, but everything can be used to your own gain. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like even I don't know if this is a thing in Britain, but like certain food brands will have like a little a little key. What's that called? Like a keyhole brand at home. That mm-hmm. means that oh, it's good for you because it's like uh, it doesn't have too much sugar or salt. Blah blah blah. Like if yeah. they did that with clothing brands too, so a brand could get like a little tick or whatever if they were sustainable. Yeah. It reached like yeah. certain criteria, so it'd be easier for the consumer to even know if like H and M or yeah, yeah, whatever other brand was better or worse for them. No, I agree like, with that. Just yeah. some amount of transparency in this because as Morgan said you walk down the high street and you just assume none of them are sustainable you don't know if it's actually better that you shop at I don't know Topshop over River Island or the other way around yeah absolutely yeah no and as you said it would be a guarantee now what I have to do is I have to each individual shop I would have yeah. to go into the terms and conditions or I don't know what else do a lot of research and read yeah. you know but um, if there was a government mark they could put mm. on it then I would know that if it has like that mark that means that it's made with ABC in a this determined way yeah. you know and then you could easily choose to support them over others yeah exactly yeah very interesting thank you so much Sophia thank Cheers. you so much for having thank me you. no lovely <laughs> Pleasure talking to Sophia there. Yes, it was yeah. uh, definitely an interesting uh, follow-up to Marina, where it was more on the individual basis, but also, you know, capitalism. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it very much. I think I think the topic of fast fashion and fashion in general comes back to what we were saying at the beginning, which is that I think the majority of people will make consumer choices that don't really... Happen require too much from them it doesn't require a sacrifice but i think in order to shop buy clothes ethically and sustainably that actually is a a change that does require perhaps more money so you either have to spend more or you buy fewer items or and it it takes up your time and it reduces your choice i think it was interesting to actually talk about the privilege behind being sustainable because some people just can't do it they don't have the time the energy or the money yeah i mean i certainly don't do it i buy from brands that are you know high street brands that don't produce their clothes under ethical conditions which is a you know but i honestly think a rating or something that's government controlled or at least Mm. approved would be so nice so you at least know not to you know, support the worst one of, of the bunch. Yeah, because right should. now I have no way of knowing. Like, yeah. I could do a lot of research, but again, that's yeah. something that the average consumer yeah. wouldn't do. And going back to this issue of the the, the imperfect versus the perfect solution, yeah. perhaps a company that produces its clothes under, I don't know. Just less worse. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, let's say their ethical rating is an A minus. Yeah. Just because it's not an A plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still, it's still than a, a hell of a lot better than a C or a D. Definitely. Um, definitely. And knowing where yeah. that possible scenario may already lie on the high street would be quite yeah. useful. Yeah. And just making your clothes last. I tried to do that. Yeah, definitely. Wash them the wash way them. they're supposed to be. <laughs> no, wash I, them. No. <laughs> Thanks for that. No, but like actually washing them at a higher temperature is not only worse for the environment because you're spending money heating up that water. It's also worse for the clothes because they disintegrate faster mm. and then you're buying more clothes. So wash them the way they're supposed to be washed or even at a lower degree if you can get away with it. 
So you have to read the yeah. label. You have to read the label or, you know, use your common sense. Most things can be washed quite at a low temperature. Mm-hmm. It's good for the clothes and your water heating bill. So what have we learned? I've actually learned quite Time a lot. to reflect. I think it's impressive when people make something yes, that okay, is so fun. not tangible, such a priority in their life. I think that's amazing. I agree. And it's so impressive I that they spend it, their time, energy, and money on it. Yeah, it really does gem- demonstrate a strength and conviction. Yeah, 100%, and community for that matter. Yeah. And I think it was so interesting to talk to Lasse about how the youth, like even just like a few years younger than me, than us, they're so much more engaged and they're so much more educated and they, they feel yeah. so much more connected to the cause. I agree. At no. least a, a large amount of them i think it's very inspiring and i like how they're also making an older generation listen to them like the grandparents and the parents they're taking initiative do you feel optimistic for the future i feel optimistic that we're getting somewhere but again i'm going to be dead by the time it gets horrible so it's quite hard to be too negative about it like i don't have that amount of imagination do you see what i mean (laughs) okay fair enough but i really am for top-down action on the climate You mean government-led action? Government-led action. Yeah. Initiatives, even like companies and... I agree. Regulate. companies. Yes, regulations. Gosh, I'm from Denmark. I have to support all of the regulations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think taxing, carbon taxes, I like that. 100% same. I'm a big fan of that kind of approach because... Or even just supporting companies. And that also gives you money to... Yeah. Oh, so a subsidy. Yes. Subsidies and tax breaks for companies who are actually doing something for the environment. I think that's uh, quite a good I way agree. to incentivize newer companies to actually consider it. Yeah. Yeah. And public transport. We didn't really yes. talk about that. We didn't, but... But we just... That's because everyone... No one... We're all students, so none of us... <laughs> it's either you walk or you take, or you the, take bus. the bus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One word to summarize your feelings. That's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see if I can think of a word. Overwhelmed? Yeah, I think that's how most people feel about sustainability. Okay. My word would be progress. Wow, optimism. Vicky, can we have a word? Uncertain. Uncertain is a good word, to be fair. Wow. And with that, we say goodbye. Do you want to make a sound effect? Okay, by that we also say thank you. The first thank you goes to our guests. And then Lessa gets a second thank you because he was not only a guest but also produced our music, like he always does. And then we have Vicky, our producer, of course. Darwina, our graphic designer. Leah, our human resources slash guest recruiter. And ASR Studios, who, as always, let us use their studios to record the podcast. Thank you. 